Welcome in episode 89 of the Night Shift and a lot to talk about on this episode as the Knights concluded the road trip this past weekend and get set for a little home cooking uh, after being away from the bud for a little bit. You can follow in on every episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can follow us on socials at Stubbs980 with two Bs at Kyle Grimard. Keep it, uh, everything up track with everything that's going on with the Knights and a crazy weekend, Mike, that concluded a road trip for the Knights, which saw them on the receiving end of a 9-2 defeat and then a 9-3 victory a day later. You were with them the entire road trip. Talk about the vibe and, and those two games in particular. Those two games? Isn't this just classic junior hockey? I was almost hoping because Barry scored late in the game. It was almost bookended 9-2 scores, which would have been maybe even better from a story standpoint. But 9-2, 9-3, this is why everything has to be big picture. And we get a lot of feedback from fans after, say, a 9-2 loss, and everybody says, what's going on, and I don't see what I need to from this team. And the big picture element is something we'll talk with Rick Stedman about on this podcast, and I love how that's something that the Knights can do. You look back at the National Football League and the Carolina Panthers. What did they do? They hired Frank Reich. They traded away arguably their best player and then selected their quarterback of the future. It lasted 11 games. They were 1-10, and and then ownership says, oh, we can't do this anymore. We have to change everything. There's no patience left in this world, and having that big-picture view is so key. And in sports, it's rare, but that big-picture view will get you a long way. So a 9-2 loss, sure, it, it wasn't a fun time for anybody who was on the ice in Sudbury. That place was going wild, and that's something else we'll talk about because it was Shorzy night in Sudbury on the Friday night. And Shorzy is a TV show that's filmed in Sudbury. And Sudbury has really taken to this show. We were walking to the rink for a morning skate on the Friday morning, and they were setting up a shot for Shorzy. So it's absolutely everywhere in the show, uh, everywhere in the city. You have people who have been on the show because they've been extras. At first, if you owned a pair of skates, when there was a casting call and you showed up, good chance you were going to be out there in a uniform skating round and round and round and warm-ups of a game, and the warm-ups would go on for hours and hours and hours. So it's a real fun part of it, and it was a sellout crowd, and they were wearing the Blueberry Bulldogs uniforms, and it it was just a party atmosphere, and the Sudbury Wolves helped it to happen by winning 9-2. But as for the Knights, sure, there's a lot of disappointment after a game like that, but the next morning, there came that routine again where everybody's at breakfast, and you hear the talk among the players, and you've got coaches pointing out a few things in video, and then they go out and they win 9-3. That's junior hockey. That seems to be hockey anymore the Edmonton Oilers can be on a road trip and get their doors blown off by Carolina and then they go up against Anaheim and win 8-2 so we're seeing it all over in sports and I don't know I kind of like it I I don't mind seeing the unpredictability we went through so long especially in the hockey world where as soon as a team was up 2-1 at the end of two periods of play that game was going to end 2-1 or 3-1 because you could clutch and grab your way to a victory now you don't quite know what's going to happen 
and it's kind of enjoyable. It's nice too that it's one of those reminders that regardless of how bad or, or bleak things seem, the sun comes up the next day, you get through your routine, there's breakfast on the table, and you know, you go about and you have another hockey game in like six hours. So it's it's a nice reminder that not everything hinges, you're right, Mike, on just one game and it's the world's not falling and eventually you get right back into the swing of things. And for the London Knights, they're able to do that with a 9-3 win. And, you know, a big, you know, part of that 9-3 victory and a big part of the London Knights' success and their ability to score goals in bunches has been the play of Casper Halton. He got his first career hat trick He's at 19 goals on the year. I've Mike, I think the last time we t- we mentioned him on the show, I think he had 10 or there was five two goal games, had never had a hat trick. And when he scores, he scores in bunches. He showed off that exact capability again over the weekend. And the fact that he's at 19 goals right now, it, it's starting to feel like he is getting his groove and settling in to not just North America, but to the CHL. And that's it. And that takes a little while because he grew up on the big ice. And we actually asked him about that because when you talk about goalies coming over to North America, they have a time where they have to adjust because the angles are very different on the big ice compared with the smaller ice. And we asked Casper whether a player has a similar adjustment maybe. Every day I feel better being here and and, uh, the game, you know, I think, you know, I feel it's becoming easier for me. uh, It's like it takes time to, you know, get comfortable with the smaller eyes and stuff like that but I think it's uh, every day it's gonna become better and easier for me how much does that smaller ice matter for a player we talk about it a lot with goalies when goalies come over because the angles are a little bit different how about for you I mean there's like uh, I think in Europe it's like four meters wider the uh, ring so it, it does make a difference but and like you know the playing style in here is so much faster and like more uh you gotta be, you know, ready for for these battles, and like obviously, uh, there's more battles in the boards, uh, and uh, you know, it, it does make a difference. But you know, I think you know, uh, as a big guy, I, I I can handle it pretty good. London Knights forward Casper Haltonen, who has 19 goals on the season, and is now starting to feel that groove and that shot of his. Right now, he is on a 10-game point streak, and. That's largely a lot of goals, but at the same time, he's producing in other ways. And he mentioned it. You've got to get used to the puck battles on the boards where you've got way more of them than maybe you would have on a larger ice surface. But Casper has that kind of gleam in his eye. He's six foot three. He's over 200 pounds. Puck battles on the boards. Yeah, he's okay with that because not very many people in the league are bigger than he is. No, and and it's it's fun too. You talk, you mentioned him on the power play, and and one of the things we were talking about when the power play was struggling early on was I think a lack of identity and where the first option was, and I think teams and the Knights are starting to realize hey, this one time around the left side where you see Alexander Ovechkin score five hundred goals in. That's a pretty good spot for Casper Halton. Teams are starting to come there and it's allowing more space for players like Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan and Oliver Bonk in the little bump slot there. Where now that they they know their number one option. But now if it's taken away, they've got options two and three already ready to go. So it looks like they have more of a set idea of what's happening on the power play. And I mean, the 9-3 wins a pretty pretty big statement to show how it can be effective. And hopefully that continues for the Knights as they get back home. And that's something that 
again, teams are going to try to adjust to, but we've talked about it. You give enough looks on a power play, it's hard to take absolutely everything away. And when you've got a guy like Jacob Julian, who's been added to that first unit, and Oliver Bonk, who is on that first unit, and the way that they have been able to work and give another one of those looks, another one of those options, it drives penalty killers nuts on the other side. And then conversely, the Knights continue to score shorthanded where they picked up another shorthanded goal in Barry. Easton Cowan scored that. And for a while, they were keeping pace with Niagara. Niagara ended up with two shorthanded goals in their game on Saturday night. And so the Niagara Ice Dogs do own the lead in shorthanded goals right now as a team in the Ontario Hockey League. London and Ryan Robrook actually scored their 10th of the season. So those two could go head to head because when killing penalties, you've got to be careful because they're going the other way with the puck whenever they can. And you talked about it like all all encapsulated this past weekend with the London Knights and you know they win two of three and one of those wins is a big you know is a big loss on one end then they come back with a big win but at the end of the day when you really look at the record it's they went two and one on the road trip for the weekend they come back home and they get ready to hopefully continue it and and continue their winning ways and you know they've it's funny how the standings work and you you take a look into account you want to talk about big picture well Saginaw's got 10 straight wins that's big picture Sarnia has lost seven straight that's also big picture Kitchener lost two of the last three. The Knights are now just five points uh, within the striking range. They've got a game in hand as well. They get Mississauga coming up in just a little bit. So they're they're starting to see where the big picture, where they slide in specifically in their division and in the conference. Yeah, that's, that's something that you know that they're going to try and keep pace with the Saginaw spirit. Saginaw is going to have a great second half. They just yeah. are. They are on a 10-game run right now. That's set a franchise record for them. And this is where they want to be because they are the hosts of the Memorial Cup tournament. They had that slow start because it's it's a lot to deal with as a player. A lot of different stresses. But when you start coming together, a lot of times that can bring you together. Then you can look at that big picture. And Saginaw seems to be doing that right now. For the London Knights, I think the big picture look that you take away, and again, Rick Stedman helped us out with this, you look at the loss against the Sudbury Wolves where nothing seemed to go right. When the Wolves scored with 0.6 seconds left in the first period, you just saw a sag in what the Knights were doing. And the Wolves just kept taking advantage. They kept feeding off their crowd and nothing was going right for the Knights. Pretty frustrating game. But do they change anything? Do they come away? Because you would say, we just lost 9-2. We have to change everything. And that's where you get a coaching staff led by a guy like Dale Hunter, who has seen nine, two losses before. And he knows that, you know, whether it's, it's just one of those nights or whether there are a couple little things that were going wrong, it's not the end of the world. And in talking with Rick Stedman, the one thing that we did discuss was the ability to get the younger and less experienced players, more minutes and the veterans get a little bit of rest even in a game when you're playing three games and three nights in three different cities. So you don't just sit there and go, oh, this is not our night and forget this. Immediately, the Knights go into a different mode where they're looking at, okay, this is happening, but now how do we look ahead or how do we 
improve players and that's what rick talked about it was one of those things where uh the, our top few guys there they they usually play tons of minutes for us and to play three and three that way 20 25 minutes a game it's hard to play the third game so uh yeah once we got down uh, we, we put them on the bench we, we let our, our young guys step up and they, they did a pretty good job uh, like i said there's some bad bounces there some, some misplays but uh they killed off a five-minute penalty which was huge uh they found a way to score on the power play which was huge so uh they, there's some uh, definitely some things we can hang our hat on there. The urge would be to change a lot of things. Teams would say, okay, well, that wasn't working last night. How do you stick to what you've been doing, or, or how do you tweak what you've been doing? Yeah, usually we don't want to jump to conclusions off just one game. If it happens two and two, it happens again tonight, then yeah, there will be some changes. Uh, but yeah, you don't want to change right away. You don't want to have any snap decisions. You just want to see what where they were scoring their goals, maybe try to uh, shut that down a little bit more and help each other out. But yeah, you just want to be patient. Uh, we, we've won a lot of games already this year with the way we've been playing. So you just got to let the system do what it does and let the players do what they do. That is Rick Stedman, Knights assistant coach. And that line, that line here. Let's play it one more time. The line about not making major changes. You just want to be patient. Uh, we, we've won a lot of games already this year with the way we've been playing. So you just got to let the system do what it does and let the players do what they do. This has worked for the London Knights all season. What they've been doing has been working. They sit third overall in the OHL standings, and that's just because Sault Ste. Marie squeaked past them with a victory after the Knights had beaten the Barry Colts. So... If you were going to say, hey, starting December 1st, we're going to be third overall, Kyle, would you take it? I'd take it in a heartbeat. It's one of those you don't need to think too hard about it. It's not one of those, yeah, i take it, but if I would do, there is no, I would do this or this differently. It's if you were third overall, would you take it? You, uh, you say yes, you take it, you run, and you continue on with the rest of your season. That's it. And are there things that the Knights have that they want to fix? Yeah, because you don't want to be switching up 9-3 and 9-2 victories when you get into that second half. You really want to settle in to that consistent play, and you really want to get those good starts, and you really want to have everything clicking. And I think that's what they're building toward right now. So next up on the schedule, not an easy weekend, and we will set this up a little later on this week where the Knights will go up against the Mississauga Steelheads, who have been one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference all year and have all kinds of players who have arrived a year early. Count ahead to next year or the year after, Mississauga is going to be a, a scary team, and they're a little scary right now. And then the Knights, who knows? Saginaw will play Guelph on November the 29th, and Guelph is on a bit of a run too. They're 4-0-1, so that'll be a big matchup but if they get through that the Knights could see them on a very big winning streak so tough weekend bang bang and we'll set it up on the next podcast yeah you know it's going to be a lot of fun and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to some hockey at Budweiser Gardens again for sure but you know I want to see the last time you know that they were at home you know this could be a very different looking team and I want to see how they build off of a 9-3 win we've seen what they can do coming off of a big a big 9-2 loss and the answer I want to see Mike if they're able to continue building off of this and string together a little bit like they did earlier this year after they beat Ottawa they went on a string of games where they were looking consistent and solid and coming out and finding ways to win in more than one way I want to see the Knights get back to that starting on Friday and we'll see the other thing to watch for is Landon Sim because he's getting closer and closer to returning maybe early in December. I don't know. He needs that medical clearance, but he's somebody that would be added to the lineup and adds an element to the lineup 
that you just can't go out and get without giving up a whole lot where he can come out and be physical. He can be an agitator. He can add offense. He's very good defensively. So that's certainly something to watch for. Ethan McKinnon remains out of the lineup. He's now missed 18 consecutive games with an upper body injury. And so we hope the best for him in his recovery. And so the London Knights looking to at least add that way. It's like making a trade where you give up nothing to get a big something in return. Yeah, it, it, it honestly is one of those things where at the time it, it hurts because you start the season without uh, an impact player in your team. But then halfway through, when you get that player, you're exactly right. It's like all of a sudden you've made an addition at the trade deadline and you haven't had to give up any assets, any players off of your roster and an immediate veteran player that comes in that knows the system that the coaches like the teammates like it, it it all goes hand in hand so be really nice when he gets closer and closer to returning one last note kyle and that is on former london knights emily kaplan from espn reported that patrick kane is looking at becoming a detroit red wing and she said it a little more definitive than that that he is becoming <laughs> a detroit red wing what do you think of that well, you know what? At, at first, I the rumors were potentially him going to Florida and maybe having a look at Toronto. But listen, Detroit makes a lot of sense. One, his former teammate and running mate, Alex Debrinkit, is signed there. So that reunites those two. He gets to play with another American, Dylan Larkin, who he's talked about playing with for some time, who's having a great year. Detroit's all of a sudden turned a corner. They're in a potentially playoff position right now. And they have the cap space to do it. I think they had the most cap space of any team that was in pursuing, um, that was pursuing, sorry, of Patrick Kane. And it just, the more and more I thought about it, the more it made sense. I don't know what the number is. I don't know what the years are yet, but all signs indicate he is signing with Detroit. And, you know, he gets to play with Debrinket. Does Kane still have it coming off of hip surgery? A second one, I believe. I don't know. We're going to find out, but maybe a chance for him to ease into the lineup and eventually crack their top six. He's a special player, and the only teams really upset about this would be teams like Ottawa and Buffalo, maybe the Philadelphia Flyers, teams that could be in that real crunch for playoff spots up against Detroit. And you look and say, they just added that guy. So now we'll see what he does with the Detroit Red Wings and when he might make his Red Wings debut. Yeah, we're going to find out, and uh, that day could be coming a lot sooner than we think. But uh, nevertheless, nice to see Patrick Kane back in the NHL. It's always better when you've got a, a player of that caliber and everything that he has done for the league and done for you know, himself. And he's a proud London, former London Knight player, and it's, uh, it is fun to see. They're going to be a ton of fun up there in Detroit, and I know that they're going to love him too. Mike, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later on this week, and we'll preview the coming day games for the weekend for London Knights. And then at that point, before you know it, it's December. Teddy Bear toss around the corner. We're going to be gearing up for that, too. It should be a blast. Don't forget, Tuesday, December 5th, against the Sarnia Sting. Check out LondonKnights.com for ticket availability. Kyle, we'll talk to you then. Sounds good, Mike.